welcome to Enlighten Up, the Hilarity podcast with Lizzie Allen and Karina Lauren. We take hard topics, throw them up in the air, and dissolve them with laughter. Each week, we feature a comedian from the Hilarity course, and we discuss topics from their set, from sexual shame to getting older. We tackle it all with humor and heart. Our goal is to awaken the masses, promote love, and increase connection by dissolving shame, all while making you laugh until you pee your pants. So let's enlighten up and get started. Hello, 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 and welcome to Enlighten Up episode episode two. All right. How have we been so successful so far? We're already at episode two. I know. Just bish bash bosh. I guess if you hear episode one, you'll see. You'll see why. <laughs> you'll if see you- why. <laughs> it, listen, if you've listened to episode one, you know why we've been successful so far. Pure, unadulterated joy. Joy. You're joy. Right. You're right. You're and right. And we're living in the vortex. Okay? <laughs> yeah. We're getting things done. I mean, I'm still working on the book, the book proposal. Oh, I feel like this book proposal is going to take me straight to the top, Karina. This is my number one big hit. This is my introduction to the world. Yeah. No, but actually, when I met you, so I met Lizzie in, what, 2017? I very quickly determined and assessed, because, you know, as we do as humans, we categorize I kind of met her from afar. So I saw her from afar and I was like, I want to be with that person. No, not in a, not in a sexual way. Okay. Just a, that person and I we're we're supposed to be friends. I knew it. She's very enigmatic. And I wanted the, uh, now I want the world to know you. So I think enigmatic and like, uh, like you attract people to you, but isn't enigmatic kind of like, Ooh, there's something. Oh, like an enigma? Like something beneath the surface. Okay, let's change the word to dynamic. I want enigmatic. Okay, you can keep it. And I'm going to add. look it up. And I'm going to add dynamic. Okay, you look it up. Okay, so here's the thing. I want the world to know you. And I think a book is a good way to do that. But also. (laughs) Mysterious. Enigmatic. Resembling an enigma, puzzling or mysterious. Okay, that's not I'll really... I'll go with the mysterious because... That's ooh, not you, no. Sort of in a that's se- me. sexy way. Get out of here. You can have dynamic. <laughs> dynamic? <laughs> well, like a sort of tool. Just look up dynamic. That's more your style. Okay, so uh, if you have never heard Lizzie perform stand-up, do yourself a favor, get to a show. That's step one. Step two is let's go back to... Your book proposal, because I want you to tell, I want you to explain to the world, because clearly we have worldwide listeners, Yeah, what a book proposal is. Because when you first told me, I, I didn't realize that you can't just write a book and boom, like Penguin Publishing is going to publish it. You, there's a step before that, or even after you've written it, that you still have to do, mm-hmm. which is called a book proposal. Yeah. If you want a publisher to pick it up, you can do it yourself, or you can do a book proposal, which is basically a business plan for your book. Okay. So you basically have to go through chapter by chapter, explain the purpose of it, right? You have to do an overview of the book. So you have to break down every part 
of the book, like you, so you can see it chapter by chapter. Yes, and also you have to do like three chapters as an example that you can write, and then you also have to say what books are like yours that are selling well, and how you're going to sell this book, oh my and God. all of this stuff. I w- just wanted to say that I was talking to my dad the other day. My dad is awful, really. <laughs> he's lo- he's a lovely kind of awful. Yeah, yeah. It's like he just jokes really at my expense. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> so I'm talking to my dad and he's like, what are you up to? And I said, well, I'm working on this book proposal. I'm just walking the dog. I'm going to go back and, and hit it again, right? And I'm in that chaotic period where I'm throwing all the ideas up in the air and I'm trying to work out what's the pathway through. And he get, and he starts off and he goes, well, imagine, imagine you launch your book <laughs> and it just falls flat. Oh, <laughs> laughing his head off and I came back in and I spoke to my friend who's helping me work on my book proposal and she went well at least he can see the launch oh my god that's so cute isn't it weird like I, I I have this thing with my dad like my whole life my dad has kind of built me up and put me down built me up and put me down and it's like it's so tiring because I really believe him mm. or I have believed him so much but I'm at a point now where I've done that much work on myself where I'm able to separate and kind of go, actually, I don't need his okay. You know, I don't need him to see and believe in me. Yeah. You don't need his vision to align with your vision. And actually his vision might align with your vision, but I think he puts that aside for the expense of a joke. Yeah. Like I actually do think he envisions what you envision, but he is looking to be funny. And you know what I'm saying? Like, cause he's kind of that asshole funny. Yeah. Cause he actually is very, it's very funny. He's so funny. Yeah. I mean. But he has to always be that way. Yeah. And so you're gonna, it's gonna feel, I think at times, like it's at your expense, but it's just who he is. It's like, I'm making this joke. I'm making, it's so funny. It's right there for the taking. So I have to say it. I just want some dad, I go, dad, do you believe in me? Do you believe in me? And then he'll say something and, and laugh and it'll be. And I'll be like, dad, like if you could just, because here's the thing, right? Last time I was in England, I met up with him at this kind of arcade pier type thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, were all the slot machines really exciting? And yeah. I felt like a kid and I went with my dad and I was like, yeah, but I'm not. I'm like 40 something. <laughs> and uh, and we went to this, like, you know, those machines where those claws pull out the oh, teddies. Oh God, yeah. And I went, dad, do you think I can win this? And he went, yes. And I just pulled out a teddy (gasps) on first go and just won it. And I was just like, if only he could just tell me, I believe in you. I see you. This is going to be a freaking hit. It's like he, he gives it and then he takes it away. But Okay. But what we know, you know, this intellectually is that you don't need anyone's approval. No. Right. Because it all comes from within. But That's there's right. so much attachment from the, the family of origin that it can be hard to separate from. Yeah, I just want him to just... But the other day, not the other day, but last time I was in England, I did do a big show for them and I <laughs> I really like expose of all my shame. <laughs> Those of you who don't necessarily know, I don't do just your typical stand-up. I do a kind of mixture of therapy and stand-up. So it's kind of like this kind of healing through just owning my own shame. And so, you know, um, I exposed like some deep secrets from the stage and I was pretty worried on the run up to this show. And then he said to me, well, he said, you're really talented. And I, and I, I thought I'd misheard. I went, sorry, what did you say? 
did you just say I'm talented? He was like, yeah, I did. And then he went back to being kind of like, you know, I think he thinks it's his job to make it a bit more challenging for me. I don't know why. I actually think it's, yeah, there's a gift in it because the gift is that if you're able to separate his words from your worth, you're going to be free. Mm. You will be completely free. And if he wasn't hammering on so hard about it, you might not even be aware that you're tying your worth into something he's saying. Like so many of us are blind because it's so mm. subtle, right? But his is not subtle at all. It's very <laughs> like, yeah, what if you launch and it just falls flat on its face and you <laughs> yeah. fail? Like the- I launched my book and nobody's read it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very real possibility, isn't it? I'm here at Indigo to sign my books and not one person says hello. And I missed the e- email from Indigo that said, uh, by the way, we're going to pull your book from the shelf. <laughs> We don't need you to come in and sign. I mean, like, it's actually quite a beautiful thing he's doing. I almost see it like a soul agreement. We're going to go down together. Look, I'm going to act like a real prick, but (laughs) just know I love you. Like, my, I love you immensely, more than you could possibly know. But it's not going to look like that at times. And then you just got to go like, I'm cool. I got my worth. I don't get it from anyone else and no one can take it away from me, so... Oh, we are talking some heavy subjects today. Oh, I love it. I love it. And it's actually a perfect segue into our comedian, Ryan. Yeah, we're going to introduce a comedian from Hilarapy now who's going to... This is his first time doing comedy on stage, and he's bringing up some big subjects. Yeah, Excuse I love it. Excuse the pun. <laughs> You'll see. <laughs> Please welcome to the stage, Ryan! So many beautiful people. I have to be honest, it's really hard for me to get up in front of so many people. You're warm and supportive and loving and freaking me out. I mean, this could be worse. This could be like a paying audience that's expecting good comedy. They paid? I paid to do this. We both paid. Oh, we both paid. Okay, there's no pressure though. There's no pressure. This is a course. This is my final project. Five minutes, I can do whatever I want. I can tell jokes, tell you a story, or I could just stand here awkwardly. I'll, I'll do, I'll do a set, I guess. <laughs> so when I was prepping for this, I was diving deep, and uh, I, I remembered my first real trauma, like that kind of like shame that kind of changes who you are. Does anyone know any kids that like they're always talking in a weird voice and they ask a million questions? <laughs> yeah, that was me. <laughs> It did not go well. I don't talk in funny voices or ask a lot of questions. Um, But now I'm an adult and I decided to not have shame for those things. Um, I had a lot of shame around my body for a long time. Um, This big, beautiful belly. 
didn't like it. Um, I started going to the gym recently and there's mirrors everywhere. Like, you, you can't not be seeing yourself in a mirror. And there's a lot of uh, exercises where you need to lift your hands above your head. And I was like, oh no, my belly is sticking out. I'll just buy some longer shirts. That'll fix the problem. <laughs> but I'm doing a hilarity course, so I walked towards my shame and I said, no, longer shirts are great. I mean, I own like five long shirts now. <laughs> but I need to be okay with my belly. So instead of being ashamed of it when it pops out, I've decided that it's my little cheerleader. <laughs> I'll be doing some stretches and it'll say, you can do it, Ryan. <laughs> I'll, I'll push out one more rep. I love you, Ryan. So, me and my belly, we're cool now. We're cool. <laughs> I also have a very outgoing butt crack. It's very long, so it, it comes out often. People like to say, Nice plumber's crack, Ryan. And I'm almost never doing plumbing. <laughs> Normally I'm like tying my shoe or I'm working in the garden. If anything, it's a gardener's crack. <laughs> you guys need to respect my green bum. The green bum. I'm also, you might not be able to tell this, but I am very hairy. Like, I, I mean, I have long hair. My shoulders are hairy, my chest is hairy, my belly's hairy, ears hairy, legs hairy, back hairy, crack also hairy. But there's, there's probably like three areas that I have almost no hair. I have this like little mask here. Every year it gets a little smaller. <laughs> My palms are relatively hairless. And uh, my little buddy. The last two might just be frictional alopecia. <laughs> when, I was, <laughs> when I was young and hairy, I was worried that I wouldn't be able to find someone who would like love me for you know, all of this. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've definitely found some groups of people who are down with this pelt. <laughs> you have your cat ladies who are looking to compromise. <laughs> you have uh, people with bad circulation who need a little extra heat <laughs> in the sheets. And, uh, yeah, then there's all the bear lovers. I like to say that my, uh, my shag carpet gets their hardwood. That's for all the uh, flooring enthusiasts in the crowd. Um, but I think that I'm doing a lot better now. Um, and so I'm going to leave you guys with my three affirmations. Um, I'm not too big. I'm just Ryan-sized. I'm not a plumber, I just have their crack. 
And I'm not too hairy. I'm just a big fuzzy bear. Thank you all very much. Okay, how about Ryan for oh the my win? Gosh. That's so good, that set. I love it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. You know what was so such a cool message in that is again, we're like we're talking about shame, but body shame this time, which I think is very, very relatable. Um, because one of the things he talked he actually says, like, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with my body, right? I'm cool mm-hmm. with my belly. And he says, I'm not too big. I'm Ryan size. Yeah. I love that. I love that. But here, but here's the thing that I started thinking about is I got okay with my body last year. I actually had a, a wedding ceremony, not to get too creepy here or anything, but I, <laughs> I married my body. Okay. I did. Because I started thinking about when you're at a wedding, like if you do a traditional wedding vow, you're saying mm. till death do us part. Mm-hmm. Through sickness, through health, through poverty, through all the You're things. making a commitment not to abandon yourself. That's right. And when I thought about when you marry the person you love you and you truly love them, it doesn't matter what size they are or what happens to them. You love them. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, why can't I do that with my body? Like truly commit that no matter what, hey, you might get bigger, you might get smaller, you might get wrinkles, you might, go, you know, have stretch marks. It doesn't matter because I'm making a commitment and it actually felt really special. And yeah, it worked. It worked for me. Now I have to marry my face. <laughs> so you... <laughs> You're still so off on just dating terms. I got the body down, Kay, but the face wasn't part of that body. Oh, you've got a beautiful face. Yeah, but you know, I look at pictures, it's like, and I've heard this from other people, is that they always focus on something that's wrong, right? All Mm. I see is the sunspots on my face or the hooded eyelids. Hooded eyelids. (laughs) I got a couple hoodies that I don't want. But like people do that. We all do that. We focus on, oh, I got this gap in my teeth. So the face is next. I'm going to have a wedding ceremony for that. With just the face. Just the face. Let me ask you this. Go on. When someone says, I mean, this used to be a thing people would ask when you're a teenager, early 20s. What's your favorite body part? I would say my hands. You pick something safe. You do. Yeah. I say my feet because I don't want to brag about what I actually think is my I mean, whoever said my chin? Whoever said, oh, my breasts? Well, probably a few people, actually. God damn those people. (laughs) (laughs) You never got me saying that because my breasts look like sort of droopy udders. (laughs) I haven't even had a baby, so I don't know what that's about. Got a couple of flapjacks here I like. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of folded sheets. (laughs) I don't know. No, sorry. It didn't work. Yeah, but I I wanted to ask you a question, actually, because I was listening to Ryan talk, and at some point he said, oh, but I'm in hilarity. So I walk towards my shame. Mm. Talk to me about that. I was, I was thinking about this this morning as well as I was writing. Shame is a, is a fear-based emotion. So it comes from being fearful and it's given to us. Shame is, is something we learn, you mm. know? It's like we're learning to be ashamed of our bodies by watching how our mothers speak to themselves in the mirror or the way that women are represented in in the media or what what happens when somebody doesn't sh- when a woman doesn't show up a certain way or pick them apart the criticism and all of that stuff and it's very shame inducing and shame is like a darkness and if we 
don't bring the light to it, so a consciousness to our awareness to what it is that's actually holding us in that shameful place, then we can't own it. We can't kind of reclaim those parts of us. We can't access our full being, our full power. And so with hilarity, I I encourage people to shine the light on the parts of them that that they feel aren't good enough or aren't lovable or you know whatever else. And 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 in doing so we get right-sized about those things and, and we can choose to reclaim them like you did with your body. Mm. So it's almost like we, I like how you said right size because things become bigger mm. than they are because we try to hide them from others and hide them from ourselves, right? Mm. We choose not to look at them or we go, oh, I'm not going there. I feel like it's like, I've got this really strong image of it. So if if there's something about yourself that causes you shame, what you don't want to do is talk about it, look at it, or have anyone else see it. So you kind of ignore it. And it's like a sort of a shadow in your peripheral vision that you're not willing to look at. And the shame can be something really tiny, but because you're not looking at it, it's casting this huge shadow on the wall and it feels really big and horrible. And so you ignore it even more. But when you shine a light on it, all you see is just this little peanut. It's like, oh, that isn't even worth being ashamed about because like everybody's got a different body. Like we're not looking at people in magazines when we go around our day to day business. We're looking at real human beings who are all body shapes and sizes. I mean, how often we walk outside and there's all these sort of Amazonian models pacing through the town no but i think see them you're right but sometimes i think like i've done i can't remember where we went on a trip maybe to mexico or something like that and i thought oh god i'm gonna have to wear bait like i'm gonna have to wear a bathing suit on the beach and there's gonna be all these in my mind i'm like all these models scattered on the beach Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna walk out there like freaking i don't know this giant I, I got a, bo- a bit of body dysmorphia too, right? So I, 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 how I see myself is a bit like Shrek. Mm. I'm going to walk out there mm. like Shrek in this bathing suit, sticking out like a sore thumb. Who's going to look at me? Like, seriously? Who cares? Mm. But that's what I can get in my mind, uh, which I'm not there anymore, but that's how I used to be. And then I go to the beach and I'm like, wait, everyone just looks like a person. Mm-hmm. Like what? What is it in my mind that I'm thinking everyone's w- stepping off the pages of Vogue? Mm. And actually, there I remember this time I went, there was a woman who, stunning, like she looked like she stepped off the page of Vogue, but I celebrated her. Mm. I was like, God damn, look at that woman. Mm, what wait, a woo. Hello. <laughs> you wear that red bikini, girl. Because <laughs> you were providing some eye candy for my afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're right. I, I loved, we- I actually had chills when you were talking about the shame. That's so tiny, but it casts this huge shadow. Mm. It's things, because I've carried that as well. And mm. you're right. As soon as the light is shone on it, and maybe I'm not getting up on stage and telling everybody I did this thing that I'm so sh- ashamed of, and now it's gone. But it's just shining that light, opening it up, addressing it, maybe, maybe telling a close friend, and it's gone. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it wasn't a big deal. Well, it definitely takes the power out of it, doesn't it? Because if you refuse to look at shame and you just try to hide it and uh, suppress it and keep other people from seeing that, it's a lot of hard work, isn't it? It's a lot of strategizing oh. and, and you know, keeping people at arm's length so they don't 
really see how awful you are, right? It's so true. But we're innocent, beautiful children of the universe. I mean, that's the, that's the essence of who we are. And so we, we don't just do that through the comedy. I mean, that's just the, the tip of the iceberg. But what we do behind the scenes is, is we do these therapeutic processes where we hold each other in this tender space where we get to explore shames and fears and, you know, dysmorphia, really. I mean, it's always dysmorphia yeah. at the end of the day in some form or another. You know, one of the best things I ever did was go to my kids and say, my perception is that I was a bad mom. And I did these things and I want them all out on the table because I don't ever want you to feel like you can't come to me and say, mom, when you did this, when you were, uh, you know, I'm in recovery. I'm almost got 13 years now, but there's that, there was times pre-recovery that, you know, you could say, oh, I was carrying shame about. And actually way more times in early recovery of just trying to feel feelings and not Mm. act like a total nutcase. So I've, I put it all out on the table for them. And it actually, it all dissipated. Like I'm not, I don't have to carry shame about it because we've all addressed it. And it feels like an airiness and openness. Mm. And I hope they feel the same way and maybe they don't, but I've given them the invitation to come to me and never feel like I can't handle them saying, look, when you did this, when you did that, it sucked for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now I've got to go to counseling. Mm-hmm. I want them to be able to say that because I'm okay with it. Like I'm, I'm here for that. Yeah. Yeah. And listening to, you know, Ryan and uh, sort of talk about this, I mean, he opened it up pretty early on by saying, I remember my first trauma. (gasps) Yeah. He didn't go into it in any depth, but it immediately made me think of the first time that I, you know, that I experienced trauma. Like, can you remember your first trauma? Oh, yeah, of course. How old were you? Four. Four. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I'm about three in mine. Yeah. And I think that's the universal experience, isn't it? Yeah. Trauma. Yes. But yeah, you're right. He didn't go into it, but there's a, you can almost imagine like, cause he says, oh, I was one of those weird kids who asked a lot of questions and talked in funny voices. So is the trauma that someone told him, you know, that's annoying or be quiet or it's too much. Mm-hmm. Like there's something there. There's always something there. Cause we yeah. make it mean something about ourselves. We do. You know, oh, this happened. And now what it means is I'm not good enough. Or I'm unlovable. I'm unlovable. I'm too much. I'm not worth it. Why am I even here? I don't matter. Yeah. We could go on. We (laughs) could go on and on. Yeah. And my whole life, my whole um, recovery as well. Like I've got uh, 13 years. So you and I've kind of got similar journeys, been walking similar paths. But my whole journey during recovery has been, how can I move closer to the light, the love, and move fear out the way. And with fear, I'm talking shame, those beliefs, right? I don't matter. I'm unlovable. Because isn't it just a kind of beautiful thing to get to a point where you have looked at that belief and you have seen as an adult from a kind of sensible viewpoint, I don't know if sensible is the right word, but from this viewpoint where you've been able to look back and go, hang on a minute, I just had a traumatized parent who who didn't know how to deal with me or, or didn't have any coping mechanisms. And I, being an egocentric child, made it mean something about me. And then you get to go, actually... How can that be? Not, how can how can a person, any person on this planet, be unlovable? It's a, it's not sense. true. You know what I say to that to that fear or that belief? I go, move, bitch, get, get out, out the way, way. <laughs> get out the way, bitch. Get- I say, vamoose. 
<laughs> channel your Espanol. Vamos. Ale, ale, ale. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of nice because like, I was thinking there. I was thinking about like affirmations, right? <laughs> Move, bitch. Get, Get out, out the way. way. <laughs> I'm working here. Yeah, but you can come. Like I was thinking about affirmations, but you can have like little mantras, mantras. Do you say mantra? I say mantra because I'm not from around here. Mantra. <laughs> mantra. Mantra. Buddha. And to the to the feminists <laughs> out there, we would say womantra. <laughs> very good, very good. Thank you. Yeah, but no, people have things like they'll say, you know, the old, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. But you... <laughs> says gosh darn it it's from saturday night live okay. but you people have affirmations about their body or whatever but you can also have little mantras where it's like move bitch like literally it, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't have to be something like i have come okay i can't even think of a mantra do you have one um no i like this move bitch get out the yeah way. And, no, and, seriously. and it's a visual right so you can you can see that fear or that like darkness or that kind of energetic block and you can say, move, bitch, and then just move your hand across the front of your body. And you can kind of almost just see it clearing up. Because here's the thing about your beliefs. Like we were saying in the last episode is if you believe you can, then you freaking can. You can. But if you have one of these deep-seated beliefs, or a few of them like all of us do, you will find proof in your life to confirm that you are right in your thinking because your thoughts on beliefs are created. I mean, the perfect example of our magnifying mind is right when you go, hey, you know, I think I'm going to buy a Volkswagen bug. And now suddenly you see bugs everywhere. You're like, wait, everyone has a bug. So yeah, your, your mind magnifies. So Lizzie's right. Like if you believe something, so those beliefs that you just become aware of them, right? It's a false belief. When you start to think like, they're not going to like me, they're not, just be like, not today. Not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. <laughs> I got shit to do. Right? <laughs> Goodbye. All right. Well, I think we've... I, I honestly think the value we have provided here today, it's next level. You're I mean, welcome. Yeah. And obviously, probably off the back of this successful podcast, we'll be doing those magnifying money causes in, Absolutely. in hotels in Phoenix, Arizona, where you can come for a nominal fee of $5,000. But don't afternoon. worry, we'll triple your money. Oh, triple? You mean 300%? <laughs> I was like, isn't that the same thing? <laughs> yeah, it sounds better. Math. <laughs> Our next podcast will feature math. <laughs> Done by Lizzie, live. I know, we're always looking for uh, new revenue streams. <laughs> All oh, right. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today. We appreciate your love, your support, your magnifying minds. Mm -hmm. And remember, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like you. <laughs> they might not, though. They do. Uh, if they don't, we love work you. on it. All right. Look after yourselves. Okay, goodbye. Dear listeners, we are a two-woman shop here, and this is a little labor of love. So anything you can do to show us some love, our love language is subscribing, sharing on social media, and coming to one of our many shows. 
And if you're feeling really adventurous, take a course. Don't be afraid of a good time. We love you. We love you. We love you. We're out.